The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. fans and welcome to the bird calls the podcast dedicated to sb nations the birdrights.com i'm your host preston ellis and today we are talking training camp tony allen the pelicans regular season even next off season and more with jamile dunn what is going on jamile what's going on preston glad to be back you know the first one was a lot of fun so looking forward to it again yeah, you were uh, great for a quote, uh, a wonderful and unpredictable interview. So I'm very excited to see what's going to happen on this podcast. And we are also bringing back Trevor Ritchie. You didn't go far, did you? Round two, man. I told you I- I'm ready for game seven. I-, I hope you still got some left in you. <laughs> Glad to have both of you guys back. Uh, Jamal- I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Last time we spoke was immediately after Drew Holiday's press conference. Uh, but before we travel back in time, I want to remind listeners to follow Jamile at jamdun 6 Is that still your handle? That's it. Cool. Trevor, what's yours? Richie TMR. Please follow. There it is. And if you like what you're hearing, please do us a favor, share, retweet, and rate. Please, please rate. Each individual rating helps to attract attention to the pod and get more listeners. And also, if you have any questions, we just did our first uh, pod mailbag please at me at Preston Ellis or email Preston Ellis at gmail.com. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have, uh, we're going to post our first mailbag with Travis and Trevor, as I just mentioned. And coming up next week, we are previewing the Southwestern conference with four representatives from each team represented by ESPN and SB nation. So that's going to be pretty cool. But now we are back with Jamile and this podcast is pretty much all about Jamile because he and I reached out to each other. And I found out that not only is he optimistic about this season, 
but he's already he's so far ahead of us. He's about 365 days in the future trying to plan <laughs> on how the Pelicans are going to take the next step from here. So just take the platform. Where do you see the Pelicans finishing with this roster that's just added Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, Tony Allen, and Darius Miller? And and what's the future hold for the New Orleans Pelicans? Man, after you built it up like that, <laughs> now, I have to, now I have to now I have to like walk it back a little bit. No, like I am I am optimistic about the season. Um, I would say that I, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm optimistic going forward. I mean because. We don't know what they're going to do, and quite frankly, whether they go to the playoffs or not, we're not even sure who's going to be um, calling the shots at that point, right? Which is the big frustration with this franchise always is you, you just kind of never know who's in control. But um, I am optimistic about this year, and and what I you know was talking to you about, Preston, was just that a lot of the conversation is focused about around what happens to this team. If they um, if they struggle, right? Um, you know, do you have to trade Boogie or think about moving Davis eventually, or just restart or something? Um, but nobody's talked about well, what happens if the team actually does well, right? Which you know is in the realm of possibilities, right? If we play this over a hundred times, there's going to be some, um, you know, so many times that that it actually turns out really well. And so what happens if they if they do, you know, hit lightning in the bottle and win, who knows, 54 games or something like that and get a three or four seed in the West uh, and, and maybe get to the second round of the playoffs, right? So where do you go from there? Because uh, something that you have brought up in previous podcasts, Preston, is, you know, you, that you don't really get a feel for the real direction of the team, right? right? You look at other franchises – the ones that, that do it well, right? Like San Antonio, who's done it, you know, with different players over 20 years. There always seems to be a plan of when a guy comes in, he's got a certain skill set and we're going to put him in a spot to succeed. Here, it just kind of seems like they throw some stuff at the wall. Um, but, but you know, going forward into, uh, into the offseason, in a hypothetical world where they do have a great season, um, you know, I think they face some serious challenges. And um, like you were saying, they're going to lose Jordan Crawford. Uh, they're going to lose Ian Clark, likely, uh, is going to uh, seek a, a better contract. Um, even guys like um, like uh, was it Tony Allen, who they just signed, um, they're going to lose all those guys. Now, I suspect that you're going to be able to bring some of them back, like Rondo. I just don't think there's – even if he has a great season, there's not going to be a huge market for Rondo. Like, how many teams does Rondo really fit, right? How many teams have a coach that wants to deal with Rondo? How many teams have, you know, the requisite talent around him uh, to make it to make it work, right? And then this is also a league with lots of guards. So, you know, there's an excess of guards anyway. So I actually think at his age and with his sort of baggage, uh, and just general uniqueness of his play, I think you'll be able to bring Rondo back at a decent rate. Um, say, you know, two years, $14 million or something like that. Um, so I don't see that as an issue. I think Ian Clark, um, with, you know, the, the, all the gravity that Davis and Cousins are going to have, Ian Clark is going to get wide open shots. Everybody's going to get wide open shots. 
It's just about whether they can knock him down, which is really, you know, kind of been the story since Davis has been there, right? He creates a lot of openings for people, and you know, you just see guys clank it from from the corner all the time. So Ian Clark will be a guy who's hard to bring back, but I do think they have some flexibility when you talk about someone like uh, Omer Ashik. I think next year, I mean, next off season, he's absolutely going to be gone, especially if the Pels have uh, any kind of new management. But even if Dell is here, I think at that point, he will have been useless to the team for almost three seasons, really two and a half. Um, and so they'll stretch him and it'll be much more friendly to the team next year than it was this year. Um, and then they can also get rid of the gentle who only have one year left on his deal. And they'll probably have to do something similar to what they did for Pondexter. So that creates, you know, that could give them an extra 12 million. They're still not going to have a ton to play with, but we know that if you are a contender, you can get deals. Maybe not, you're not going to get a deal from LeBron James or anything, but you can get deals from some of the marginal players, the, um, and I hate to use Nick Young because I didn't actually want him on the team. <laughs> but a guy like Nick Young, when he has to choose between the Pels and Golden State, you know, even if he's getting more minutes with the Pels, like with Golden State, he's got an opportunity to win. So the Pels could benefit from that if you have, a, you know, coming off of a really great season like that. So um, I think they could go out and uh, maybe explore the trade market. There's, there's not, you're not going to get much with, the amount of cap space that they'll be able to create next offseason, especially after um, after dumping Cousins. Oh, not dumping Cousins. Sorry. Uh, hopefully that's not a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but after re-signing Cousins is what I meant, um, you're not going to have a ton of space, right? So the, even the little space you can create with dumping Ashik and, uh, and Agenza, you, you're going to basically eat most of that with, the extension for cousins. So, you know, it's going to be the trade market. It's going to be guys on, you know, lower end deals and exception type guys. But I think you could, you know, possibly get certain guys and, you know, I'm not, you know, I could name some names, but it's so far out, you know, when you're talking about a whole year, but I just think um, the premium has to be on smart guys. I, I like the Ian Clark signing only because, well, one, he can transition quickly, something that we've seen Pelican or players struggle with, right? Coming in to play with the Pels or, you know, the old Hornets. Like they come in and, you know, it's it's like anything, right? You're playing with new players in a new system. You know, Ian Clark is, you know, familiar with Gentry's system. So he's going to be able to come in and uh, mesh quickly. Tony Allen, you know, he's sort of a designated defender. And I really like that signing because, one of the problems I have with some of the guys that tells will sign, some of the marginal guys, I mean, is that you'll find guys who aren't really good at anything, right? They're okay defenders, they're okay shooters, they're okay rebounders, but they don't do anything well. At least Tony Allen has a, a real skill. Yeah, he can't, you know, he can't shoot to save his life, but, you know, he can defend people, he can do some different things, and you can work around his shooting in spots although that's ultimately going to be a limitation for him. So, you know, I think I think the team is um, in good position going into the season. But then there's always that lingering. I try to stay positive, Preston. I try to, I try to feed off your positive energy. But um, the, the Pels always seem to have something happen. And, you know, just when you try to get really optimistic, 
something like, you know, Solomon Hill happens where just out of the blue, he injured his hamstring and is out for basically the whole season. Um, and, you know, who knows? He, he was one of those guys, one of those X-Factor guys who I felt like, you know, if Solomon Hill all of a sudden started hitting, you know, 39% of his threes and, you know, 41% from the corners or something like that. You know, if, if he started to give them anything at all or learning how to cut off the ball, that could have been really, uh, you know, he could have turned into the player who they actually, who I guess Dell thought he was signing. Um, but, you know, instead he injured his hamstring and we're going to have to wonder about him. And Frank Jackson, who that's not as big a deal because I don't think he was really going to contribute this year anyway. He was probably just going to be in the D League, but, you know, that was also discouraging. So, you know, with the Pels, everything has to be sort of, um, <laughs> sort of couched in re- the reality that seems to be, um, you know, the reality that seems to be this team, just something negative always happening. Right, Jamal. Jamal, you're sinking fast. You're sinking fast, buddy. We need you to bring the positivity (laughs) back. (laughs) Because, like, I'm looking. No, I, I am, I am positive. But I'm just saying, like, like as soon as you get that, as soon as you get that, um, that positive mindset about it, something like that happens, and now they have to reshuffle everything. Right, A, a team that already was kind of gluing it together. But with all that said, I think. For this season, they're going to be fine. I don't think, I do think they will miss Solomon Hill. Just having someone who actually fits in that position, uh, instead of trying to, you know, miscast all these different guys like Tony Allen or, uh, I think Darius Miller has a shot to actually be decent there, but we'll have to see. Um, but I think they'll be fine without Solomon Hill. He's not that big of a difference maker, um, and I think they'll have a good season. Now, do you? I have to ask you guys: Do you trust Dell Demps? next season because I could see a situation where they make the playoffs and, you know, Dell is still let go. And this is something that I'm going to throw to you, but before I do, Trevor, uh, we've all been watching the New Orleans Saints as well, and they've come out to an ugly 0-2 no, start. No, we have not. We have not all been watching. Oh, we haven't. We haven't all been watching. For those of us <laughs> who have been watching and relate this to uh, President uh, Mickey Loomis of the New Orleans Saints and also Vice President of the New Orleans Pelicans, this this is a scenario that could get interesting really quickly because should the Saints come out to like a 3-13 and 13 season, Mickey Loomis is so entrenched in the workings of Tom Benson, you'd have to believe there's there's no scenario in which he is no longer the general manager of the New Orleans Saints. But should that happen and should the Pelicans uh, part ways with Mickey Loomis, this this might not tie into how the Pelicans perform at all. We might lose Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry just based on there's a new boss in town. But with that being said, uh, I, I've been out on Dell Demps uh, since before the season, even should the Pelicans finish with a six seed, which I think that they will this season. I think they definitely have the potential to at least climb to a seven seed. Uh, I, I think under those circumstances, Dell Demps still doesn't belong in New Orleans after seven years, uh, but he's he's done a lot of hard work this offseason. And Trevor... It is, it is, according to us, going to come to fruition. So, so what is your thoughts on this offseason and making it work? And what it, where do you think the Pelicans end at the 2017-18 season? Do you think Del Demps and Alvin Gentry are still among us at that point in time? Um, I, I hope they're still among us because in the hope that they're still among us, that means that everything was a success. I, uh, I disagree with uh, 
Jamil when he said that Solomon Hill isn't that big of a difference maker. Now I get what he meant by that, but on the on the for the roster that we have right now, it, it's an extremely big hit. And uh, do I think they can still make it work? Of course, I think something can happen. And like I said, if they're still among us at the end of the season, then that means everything everything worked. But I think this is one of the scenarios. It's like one of the movies that you get that is uh, advertised as multiple endings, and you think it's going to be two or three, and it's like seven or eight. And, and that's what we're looking at. If, if the season is uh, a miss come come the All-Star break, it's uh, we could lose Boogie. Uh, who knows with the AD rumors? I don't know what could happen there. I sure as heck hope nothing happens there. Uh, but there's so many different things that could happen. Solomon, you know, if Solomon Hill comes back, uh, I don't know what his time frame. I know it's most of the season. I don't know the exact time frame. But uh, there's just there's no definite answer to that question because you, you there's so many different possibilities. And I, and I don't know where the perspective is on other teams and if that's just the everywhere thing or if it's just New Orleans. I'm sure it's just New Orleans. But there's just so much that can happen. I don't think I'll go with this. I definitely don't think. Alvin Gentry will be with us if we miss the playoffs. I'm going to go with a little bit, maybe a hot take and maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think Alvin Gentry would go before Dell Demps does. All right. Well, I, I can side on to that, but uh, the, I, I think they're, they're a package deal right now. They're attached to the hip. Whatever happens to one of them happens uh, to both of them. It might not necessarily happen at the exact same time. Let's say if we get to all-star break and uh, Mickey Loomis gives Dell Demps the benefit of the doubt to finish out the season, but uh, does remove, Alvin Gentry, uh, thereby putting either Darren Ehrman or Chris Finch in charge of the rest of the Pelicans roster. You'd have to assume it'd be Darren Ehrman, but we're not talking about that right now. Right now we're talking about, we're talking about possibilities and we're talking about optimism because right now we do have a team full of guys uh, attending voluntary <laughs> workouts, training together, saying all the right things in phenomenal shape. These guys look like they're really uh, ready to, 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 to take the next step in their careers for some of the younger guys and some of the older guys kind of resurrect a, a bit of their, their lost image. Like Tony Allen as as the guy on the decline, still on the second all defensive uh, NBA team last season. Rajon Rondo has kind of fallen apart at the seams after stops in Dallas and Chicago and Sacramento. But last year we saw a glimpse of what he could be in just two games against the Chicago Bulls, but we're, we're hanging on to that hope. Jamile, let's talk about some of our, our lineups right now with, with this mismatch of players we've got. Uh, for me, obviously, we've all got, you know, some version of Rondo, Drew Holiday, either Etuan Moore, Darius Miller at the three, and then AD and Boogie. But the second lineups and third lineups get a bit more interesting. I've got Drew Holiday, Darius Miller, Ian Clark, uh, and DeMarcus Cousins. Is that even five people? I don't even know. My brain's left me. And then Rajon Rondo in the third unit with Jordan Crawford, Etuan Moore, Anthony Davis, and, and Shek Diallo. And why this is important is I really like the Rondo-AD pairing because AD moves off the ball a bit better than Boogie does. But with uh, Drew Holiday, Boogie can share a bit more of that responsibility in that playmaking mode. How how do you see these lineups working? And and what guys do you hope get paired together in these lineups? Well, I think you're going to see a ton of three guard lineups this year. And the reason being, and the reason I think this is because one rebounding isn't going to be an issue for them. They've got DeMarcus, they've got AD and also, you know, even Rondo um, is a decent rebounder, you know, for his position. Um, so I think, and also they just have a, a dearth of small forwards, right? They just don't have anybody. And, you know, in some games, you're going to really need somebody 
like if you're playing LeBron or if you're playing Golden State or something like that. But most teams don't have a super dynamic small forward, right? It's like the most uh, rare posi- you know, position in the league to have someone like a LeBron or a Paul George or something like that. So on most nights, it's not going to be that big of a deal um, to run three-guard lineups, and it'll probably cause more issues for the other team uh, than, than it will for the Pelicans playing a little bit small. So I think some of the lineups I'm interested in seeing are Ian Clark, Drew, and Rondo together with, uh, say, maybe Boogie and, um, and, and uh, Dante, well, hopefully Dante Cunningham, uh, if they bring him back. Um, I'd even be interested to see like a a Drew Holiday, Tony Allen, Rondo, um, AD and Boogie lineup, right? Which which wouldn't be any that wouldn't be your starting lineup or anything like that, but just one of those little alternate lineups you could throw in there. Uh, I don't think it would be a stretch for a starting lineup. I, I I definitely don't. I don't think it it might not be a, a every game starting lineup. But what you just said, I don't see yeah. it as a stretch that that could be the starting lineup every once in a while. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah, yeah. Against certain teams, I think it, it could really work. And I think, and this is going to be sort of, and I think this is really where the Pels season could take a turn for the sort of unpredictable in a positive way. Is AD, we all know that he's a really good shooter, right? He, in the spots that he's comfortable in, right? In the little mid range area. Um, and he seems to improve in that area every year. And so, and he's got the form to go out to three. Cousins was a pretty good three-point shooter, especially for a big um, last year. And if he improves on that, you know, it looks on the face of it like the lineup doesn't have enough shooting. If you have Rondo, uh, Allen, and Holiday on the on the court, which I know Holiday can shoot, but we, you know, he's not like a dead-eye shooter like uh, like we might prefer to have on the on the court. Although, you know, he's had his mo- had his moments. But you could do a lot of weird in and out things. Like I, I really want to see, like some you know picking side picking and rolls and picking and pops with Boogie and AD. Um, there's lots of different stuff. Like uh, they could run that little uh, that little <laughs> doors play, <laughs> like uh, Monty used to run with to get Ryan Anderson open all the time uh, at the top of the top of the key. And so there's different things you can do if if guys are moving around. And I think Tony Allen. You know, he's not the best cutter in the world. He understands, you know, where to go. He's a veteran guy. And, of course, Rondo, being a really smart player, uh, understands how to move without the ball. And so if you're running things, I think those lineups, you would want to run a lot of things through Cousins, maybe at the top of the key uh, or maybe even at the top of the arc, depending on where everybody's at, because people can move around uh, and he's still a threat to shoot. He's dragging a big out of the paint, which opens things up for AD, um, as well as, you know, cutting lanes for other other people. So, you know, lineups like that where it kind of looks like a – and, of course, that lineup defensively has the potential to be really, really strong with Allen and Holiday especially. And, you know, I think Rondo's smart enough to play within a team defense. I don't know that he's as tenacious as maybe he was in, in his old Boston days, but if he can give us anything – you know, approaching that, they have the opportunity in certain stretches to run a really hellacious uh, defensive lineup with, I think, some surprising upside. I mean, they have a chance, I think, to be a better version of um, of Memphis. Now, the only caveat is, can they be as smart as Memphis was? Because I think that was 
the 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 basketball IQ of the top line players in Memphis, especially when you talk about Gasol, Conley, and from a defensive perspective, Tony Allen, that was really what drove that team, right? And so we have one of those cogs, and we'll see if Gentry and 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 his staff can utilize it. You know what, uh, Trevor? Let's end to your perspective on some of these rotations, stuff that we're interested to see. Obviously, like one rotation would be. Rajan Rondo uh, essentially quarterbacking a group of shooters like Ian Clark and Jordan Crawford on the wing could be something exciting. What are some rotations you're excited to see? Trevor, did we lose you? Are we good? We good? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Great. Um, I think one of the things I'm most excited for is going to be throwing that Tony Allen in the three spot. I'm just a big, uh, I love Tony Allen. He's always, he's been one of my favorite players since I was a kid, just on the, from a defensive standpoint, obviously. And uh, I think also you, you hit exactly what I would have said, the, the Rondo, Ian Clark, Jordan Cl- Crawford, AD, and then, you know, I'm just going to throw in a jinx because I like him. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think really? that would be all. I think that was dang. Why? All right, timeout. We're calling timeout. Game seven, fourth quarter. Jamil, what what is up with the jinxer, man? What, what What do you mean? What is up with him? What's the hate? Where's the hate coming from? Jamil, uh, Trevor, is coming- Trevor is defending his boy. Uh, as per their Twitter conversation last night, somebody was was hating on Agensa for not attending the voluntary workouts. And Trevor mentioned him, and Agensa actually reached out to our very own Trevor Ritchie to let him know <laughs> that his wife is uh, nine months pregnant right now, I believe, and they have a two-year-old. Always and, an excuse. Always and- an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. Uh, all right, but back to what you said. No, uh, I, I mean Rondo being able to 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 pass and spread the court to, and, and even if it's just for a few minutes a game to give some of those role players and some of those shooters some confidence when it comes back to the thick of things and we need them to hit big shots at times because we're, we're just going to. We're going to need Jordan Crawford to, to stay consistent, and hopefully we get the same pace that we got from him last year. Um, we hope that, that we can expand on what Ian Clark has already done. So I think uh, wh- what you already stated as a lineup is, is probably – those are two of the more exciting things to see. Uh, I think if we're just going to go – like like I said, throwing Tony Allen in there, I think the, the rotation at that three with the loss of Solomon Hill is just an interesting spot. I mean we know – next to nothing about Darius Miller and and who knows that he can't come in and, and provide a spark like Jordan Crawford did last year or uh, among some other people or maybe step into that role if we can't get Dante Cunningham back and, and be something similar to that so I think I, I think it's already an interesting enough lineup when it comes to the starting lineup and then being able to implement some of the few shooters that we have on the roster but that just waiting for the explosion of that three spot, whoever that may be into the starting lineup will, will be the exciting thing to see this season. Jamile, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, one thing I am optimistic about, and I haven't talked too much about it because I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I actually am really optimistic about Darius Miller. And I think, and I'm not saying he's going to be a star or anything. He has some limitations, um, but I think, he really does seem like he has become comfortable as a shooter and a little bit more comfortable as a ball handler. Just looking at, you know, a lot of his games in, in, uh, uh, in his European team that he, that he came over from, um, you know, I was, I was pretty impressed, you know, and I don't expect him to perform in that role that he had on that team with the Pels, obviously is going to be much more limited. 
but I think he can provide some spacing and maybe even move off the ball or just give us the the one dribble that we always wanted Solomon Hill to be able to give us, right? Um, the one sort of dribble drive to the basket uh, and make the right pass, right? But the other thing about this team is, and I don't know, and this is the thing about Del Vimps, like sometimes it's always nice to have a GM where when something happens, when you see a theme and the kind of players they're bringing in, you know that it's a sort of coherent choice that they're making to bring a certain kind of player in. Um, and I guess Dimps did have that at one time with the young veteran thing, right? That was always his thing. And I guess I guess it kind of still was, right? Bringing in a guy like uh, Cousins, right? Following up on Holiday a few years ago. So, but with this current offseason, the thing I like about the guys they brought in, they're all from winning cultures, right? When you look at uh, Rondo, I know he hasn't, necessarily one in a while but I mean you know who's won more than him on this roster right he's won a, a title which is more than basically everybody else on this roster in terms of winning big games and he's so he's been in that environment and understands what it takes at least let's hope he can just keep his head on and you know uh, get along with everybody uh, Ian Clark obviously was with Golden State I don't want to you know it's too easy to say oh the guy was with this good team and therefore he's a winner you know, and he's going to bring that to us. I think that's lazy. But I also think that those teams that win consistently and bring it consistently, there's a thing to that, right? There's there's a, there's a something that obviously the Pels haven't had, right? Where we see them come out certain nights and, you know, they're, they have energy. It doesn't matter whether the shots are going in or not, but they have energy, they're hustling, they're getting to all their spots. And then you have other nights where, and it's I know it's a long season, so every team's going to have sluggish nights, but those really good teams tend to have a lot less sluggish nights and they, and they understand their assignments, um, understand that sort of professional side of the game to bring that mental, that mental aspect every, every night, even if maybe physically you're worn down. And then Tony Allen, I mean, um, if you're talking about, you know, one of the more successful teams over the past decade with the Grizzlies, you know, yeah, Marcus all and Conley were the most, most talented players on the team. But Tony Allen was the identity of that team, and that team is a lot different if he's not on it, right? And they don't win as much. So this is a guy who really can have an impact for you, uh, but just in a unique way. And you need a, and this is where we kind of get into trouble, but hopefully with Ehrman and Finch we can work it out. You need a good coach to manage the role that he's in, who he's on the court with, because there are serious limitations there. But there's also serious, serious benefits to Tony Allen if you use him um, the right way. Yeah, and that was one of the two things that they sought to upgrade this offseason. Uh, one was the shooting, which they didn't ever really get to. But the second one yeah, was the, yeah. the overall IQ of the team. And they did a wonderful job of that. Uh, you mentioned, of course, Tony Allen, Rajon Rondo, but also Ian Clark. Uh, not not just being with the Golden State Warriors, uh, but also Steve Kerr called him his favorite player to coach. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I just want to assume that he's a, a hardworking guy who's going to improve every single year that he's in the league. Uh, to go back to what you were saying about Darius Miller and entrusting him with three position that he's going to play well, even if he does, Jamile, and I'm going to send this to Trevor, uh, there's there's nobody behind him. Not, not only is he going to have to play well, he's going to have to play conceivably 48 minutes a game uh, unless uh, Etuan Moore is there to spell him at times. And we also are hoping that he can give us some minutes at the four. Otherwise, you're going to have to give all those minutes to to Diallo and um, and Ajinsa. So, Trevor, I'm going to throw it to you. 
Uh, today, Brett Martell announced that we've given non-guaranteed contracts to Martell Webster and to Perry Jones. That uh, coinciding, Woo! I know, with Chase Budinger and Josh Smith, <laughs> who visited us, and we have Jalen Jones <laughs> and, uh, and Charles Cook to two-way contracts. So, Trevor, I'm going to start with you. What What is the holdup with this backup three, four spot, and who's ever going to do it? Man, I, I, I don't even think I, – I think they're so it, – the t- it's tunnel vision right now to just filling a three spot. There doesn't seem to be much understanding other than – I mean, who's – we're reaching at optimism right now, if I'm being honest. We, as Pelicans fans, we just want the optimism because we don't really have much to look to for it. Uh, I mean, we do now when you talk about Cousins, but like he said, it, it's just – Every time that happens, something else happens to to negate it or cancel it out. So I don't even know. I mean, if you get excited about the training camp contracts and you're just hoping that somebody comes out of nowhere to to fill that role for us, then great. Unless we find somehow to get Dante back, uh, I don't know. As far as if we're talking about stretch four, uh, we we really don't have an option other other than Dante. If there's any possible way that that can happen, so I, I don't even think that's a thought process like i said in the last podcast because most of our options have have already been thought out and tried and attempted and and at this point we're reaching in the front office for players and we're reaching as a fandom for optimism uh jamal we've seen yeah yeah uh expound on this (laughs) and and it perfectly yeah also mention the fact that uh we've already lost boris diaw terrence jones and donatas monte yunis to, to foreign NBA careers, although Boris Diaw has in his contract that he can return to the NBA. But are, are you surprised that the Pelicans haven't targeted these guys? And Jamal, what is the holdup, you think, with Dante Cunningham? We've had some guys talk about him wanting a second year, but it seems as if nobody's willing to give it to him. So do you think it's just resentment towards the Pelicans franchise, or do you think the Pelicans aren't offering it to him? Uh, I don't see why he would... And obviously, I don't know his real behind-the-scenes situation with the team, but um, I, outside looking in, I can't see any reason why he would have any resentment towards the Pels, right? Um, what are they supposed to do, max you out? Like, um, you know, they gave him a contract, and I know people have mentioned this before, but they gave him a contract with no one, no one else will would, and they developed him as a player, Um you know, into a guy who seems like he might be a decent role player, um, you know, for this team especially, but maybe even for, you know, Minnesota potentially. But so I'm, I don't think it's necessarily an emotional thing, which would then bring you down to a business aspect. And from that end, um, on court, it would seem to be a slam dunk, right? You get more minutes. Uh, you're going to play probably some three and four who knows with the Pels, you're probably end up playing all five positions, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I don't see, and in Minnesota, especially, I don't see many minutes for him. There's certainly not very minutes, very many minutes for him in the front court. And, uh, you know, with Jimmy Butler there, there's, there's not very many minutes at three, uh, especially with, you know, also having Wiggins. It's just, there's no playing uh, time for him really. Um, so yeah, it's a weird thing. I think maybe he and his agent may have set a date, you know, after free agency gets past a certain point, you know, it's kind of your options are your options, right? It's not uh, a ton of negotiating going on really. So maybe they just said, okay, well, we'll wait until the last minute because maybe another team swoops in and, you know, who knows, right? Uh, right. Um, 
a team could have a Solomon Hill issue with their own player, right? He's working out and rips his hamstring up, and all of a sudden they're willing to give Dante a second year guarantee or maybe a little bit more money uh, to come to their team, right? So it makes sense for him. I could see that he and his agent may have circled a date and said, well, at this point, this is what we're going to get regardless, so we might as well wait until X date because anything can happen and we might be able to parlay that into something better. So that's the only real reason I can think of why this deal hasn't happened yet. You don't you don't see any room for for resentment on on behalf of, of Dante Cunningham. No, for what? Why would why would I, he re- resent the, the team? The only I I wouldn't say team. I I just think that I can see the window for a little frustration when it comes to I don't I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken, for a couple of years he's been the player to to stay healthy and play the most games out of anyone else on the team. He's probably for, for what he's paid and what he's worth and, and what you expect out of him, probably the most consistent player we've had in a while barred AD. Um, and you know, injuries there have happened as well. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's an issue where he sees the money, uh, thrown out to other play- players across the league. And it's just kind of like, man, you know, I want to come back, but am I getting what I want? But then it goes back to what you already said, where it comes a certain point in free agency where your options are your options and you don't really have a choice. But, but I, I all I'm saying is I could see where there's a little room for frustration. What would I say resentment? I, I, I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think he has room for that, but a little frustration when it comes to his agent and the team and negotiations, maybe so. I, I'm just saying that I see the window for possibility there. I think we, we yeah. can all, yeah, we can all agree that he should have just uh, taken the player option. And now he's at a point where I, I could foresee his agent telling him to wait because teams like Cleveland, Boston could experience an injury at some point in the season. And that could be a perfect opportunity for Dante Cunningham to play for a contender and and earn some of that money you were just talking about. Jamal, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, what will be real frustrating is if you go to Minnesota and get six minutes a night and then you're hit back in free agency next year with an even lower offer, like that'll be really frustrating. So, um, I, you know, I, I do, I, I think your point is fair that there could be some, you know, he could have been expecting more, but at the same time, you know, this is the professional sports, right? Guys are forced, you know, with a lot of pride are forced to play for a lot less. So, you know, for Dante Cunningham, who, yeah, you're right. He has been at least the guy to show up <laughs> most nights, right? Um, and there's some value to that, definitely. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> he's not, I mean, for this team, he's definitely a difference maker. But he's, in, in, in terms of the, the, the scheme of the grand scheme of the league, even when you're looking at role players, I don't think Dante Cunningham is necessarily that big of a deal. I mean, the, the fact that the Pelicans are so thin is what makes him a big deal for us. But um, as you can see that since he's out there right now, most teams aren't really concerned with him. So, um, you know, from his perspective, I think you you take the deal with the Pels because you're going to get the minutes, hit free agency again next year and see what you can do. Uh, He's played in 66 games or more in all three of his seasons. His shooting has gone up from three-point range. Uh, it was at 10%, although at a very low volume of shooting. Went to 31.5% last year and 39% this most recent year, above 39%. So he's been working on his game uh, really hard with our friend Jamel McMillan, and we do hope to have him back because God knows we need him right now. Uh, Before I let you guys go, let's talk training camp. Uh, We're a week away from 
Media Day. What what are some th- what is your your main takeaway from uh, training camp? If we fast forward into the future, three weeks from now, Jamile, what what do you hope people are saying coming out of uh, watching training camp workouts? Everybody's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> like like no matter what happens in training camp, you know. Yes, we all want them to gel. Yes, we all want it to work. Uh, offensively, defensively, all that great stuff. But if we get to game one, you know, our training camp and to game one, and we can say everybody who's currently on the roster, um, who we expect to get big minutes, is completely healthy and ready to go, no question marks, no, you know, any any of that stuff, um, I'll be happy coming out of training camp. Uh, Trevor, what about you? I think I think every Pelicans fan relates to what was just said. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we just want I mean, that's all that's all we want for the season. I mean, I, if all of our players are healthy and we run the best system we can under the front office and the coaching staff that we have. And, and like I said, everyone's healthy. Uh, there will be some disappointment if we were to miss the playoffs. Now, with the Solomon Hill issue, that that's already not the case. I'm just saying hypothetically. That, that's the only thing we've wanted for years now is for everyone to just play a season out healthy and find out what and, – and that doesn't happen for necessarily any NBA team, but just especially for us, that, that's what we wish to see how it would play out, out with what we've already put together at the end of the season with just everything at least going decently towards the right way. So I, I'm just going to agree and say, yes, we we just want everyone healthy. At least the people, like you said, uh, that are go- that we know are going to get them in it. Someone like Frank Jackson, I feel bad, and I wanted to see him play some this season. But it's not going to be a, a huge contributor. So we just need those guys that, that we need uh, to to remain healthy. The good news is no. – Anthony- sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that um, that was always the frustration with – the last core, right? The finishing four or whatever people were calling them, right? With Tariq, Drew, uh, Anderson, and AD. They, now, granted, that group was always flawed and it was probably never going to work in terms of any kind of championship aspirations. But I think we always had the, um, we always, you know, had sort of the suspicion that if they were all healthy and played a good 70 games straight together where they could figure everything out, um, you know, with how all those pieces fit together, I think it could have been a fun little team. They and maybe you sneak into the playoffs a couple of years, which I guess they they did get at least the one year. Uh, but you know, that's always been the thing with with the team uh, that you never get to just get a glimpse of. Does it work? Does it not work? Because players end up you know three four years later leaving, and we actually never really get the answer, right? Those guys actually still never played. I don't even know if that whole group I was talking about even played a full season together. Yeah, well, the good news is Anthony Davis uh, did have the healthiest year of his career last season. DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo are two pretty healthy guys. Rajon Rondo is somebody who's known to play through pain and play through injuries, even broken hands in certain instances. Etwan Moore has been healthy. Jordan Crawford, no signs of slippage. Even if we do lose Drew Holiday for some period of time at some point in the season, you'd have to agree that this is the best possible roster to make up for his loss. We're so loaded at, at guard with uh, potential playmakers and ball handlers, somebody like a, an Etwan Moore or an Ian Clark being able to spell, not for long term, obviously, but for a few short weeks, sure. Uh, the, the main place where we can't suffer any more injuries 
is I would have to think Darius Miller, obviously, and then Czech Diallo, because yeah. right now, right now, Czech is in a very important spot. A guy who's at this point in time going to have to split some form of 30 minutes per game with Alexis Agensa uh, <laughs> in those backup four and five minutes. So uh, Darius Miller is the number one guy I, I can't uh, fathom seeing go down. But um, let's let's do some parting shots, Jamal. Wait, uh, wait, 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 Preston. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. And I'm, I'm sorry I was laughing while you were talking, but the reason I was laughing was because, like, when I'm summoning the optimism, like, and I think about, and I think about all the real. There are some serious positives on this team. I, I think people are underrating um, the type of jump AD can make if his ball handling and shooting gets even better. Uh, Boogie being in better shape and committed, all that's great. But then there's always that that thing with the Pels where you come to the realization of what you're talking about. And when when you said that the one injury that we most couldn't sustain, um, and obviously AD and Boogie are in a different category, but the one injury that we can't sustain is Darius Miller, right? And then <laughs> discussing this, like, and then discussing this team, you know, trying to discuss this team as a as a contender when you know what other contender would tolerate a statement like that being being said about them. Uh, that Darius Miller is in, indispensable, but who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, maybe Darius Miller turns into our Danny Green, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, he is actually valuable. So, well, he's going to have to. But uh, even if you know he comes out there and he stinks up the court and he he you know basically gives us his own version of Hollis Thompson, we do have Etwan Moore who can slot in there, and at least you'd have to think conceivably give about 15 to 20 minutes a game there. Uh, you guys, we got to get out of here. Trevor, let's take some parting shots. Um, tell us tell us what you hope to come out of training camp. Obviously, you said injuries, but we've got the preseason coming up. What are some storylines you're looking forward to hearing? A definite three, whether it be a three-guard lineup, whether it be Darius Miller emerges, whether and this goes back to three-guard, you know, I don't know, Tony Allen, uh, Jordan Crawford. I don't know. I would just love to know at the end of training camp that not that we're going to throw somebody in there and that's probably going to be the case come the first game like hey this game we're going to start so and so and we'll see which of course it'll be a rotation process throughout the season but I would just love to hear Alvin Gentry say this guy's shown up this guy's earned his spot at the three and that's if it works this is where we're going to start from and go from there and I would just I would love to hear something from that Uh, I wouldn't love to hear that anything changed I like changes as far as I like the idea of Rondo Holiday insert blank here and AD and boogie. So if we could just find out definite who that player is, I, I think that would be a great, at least that would, if it, let's say it's Darius Miller, it might incite some extra optimism that we all need to say, okay, they see something in him that we don't quite know yet. And we haven't quite been able to come to understand. So uh, I, I would just love to hear something like that. Jamal, before I let you go, is there a universe in which Anthony Davis can give us 10 minutes a game at the three? Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a universe. I mean, uh, how many threes in the league can guard Anthony Davis, right? Of course, the elite guys. Uh, but, you know, after you get past a few of the elite guys and maybe some of the um, elite defenders who are more role-type players, um, he would give him all kinds of problems, right? You, you throw it out to him, to him out there. He can post the guy up even from, say, 17 feet out or even from three-point line, you know, take a dribble and then turn and post him, shoot over him, 
you know. So I don't know that Gentry is creative enough to employ that, and and I, I also don't think I also don't think you want you don't want to encourage Davis to go to spend that much time. I, you know, he can shoot from out there, and I think we should encourage him because it opens up a lot of stuff. But I don't think you want to put it in his head that you know now I'm some perimeter player because he's his with his size and athleticism. He's so much more valuable 17 feet and in. See, something something you said there kind of scared me and I don't I don't I don't mean that you scare me, but uh something you said that was just like uh, you know, who can guard him at the 3 and the answer is you said it, obviously the elite guys. And and that's and that's part of the issue. We we've brought that up a couple times where like, you know, the 3 isn't going to be that big of a deal unless we're playing those elite teams. Well, that's fine for the regular season. And yeah, we might still probably be able to manage a playoff spot, but once we get in the playoffs, you know, how far are we going to be able to make it in the West without a a decent elite wing, decent slash elite wing defender, unless that, you know, you're just ask Tony Allen, the man Mark. I mean, if we come up against, I I don't, I don't know, Kawhi, uh, you know, just some other guys, other guys that can get pushed out there. Did we just lose Trevor? Trevor, we lost you, buddy. Uh, we're going to call it right here. We're about at an hour. Uh, thank you, Jamile, so much. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. Again, you can follow Jamile at jamdun06. And uh, Trevor mentioned his Twitter handle earlier. It's something like Richie TR something. <laughs> but you guys can just search for Trevor Richie and you'll be able to find him. <laughs> Make sure to go to birdrice.com. We've got some great new stuff. As always, Ali does a wonderful job of keeping it updated. Uh, and make sure you share, retweet. We've got a lot of stuff for you guys. Last week, we had Michael McNamara and Ralph Malbro from St. Tapiar and Bourbon Street Shots. We had a great pod with uh, Ali and Kevin Berrios. We just had our first uh, pod mailbag with Trevor and Travis Tate. And coming up this week, we're going to go deep on a Southwest preview. We've got guys from all four SB Nation ESPN sites talking about uh, the, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Rockets, and the Spurs. So make sure you check that out. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're delighted to have you, and we're delighted to have Jamal. Jamal, any party shots? Um, no, just really, up, uh, you know, upbeat going into training camp. But uh, everybody, just hope for no more injuries. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Let's go, pals. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Geico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. 
Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.